Welcome. This is my truth as a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Hello, hello, podcast world. Welcome back to This Is My Truth. Man, oh man, am I excited to share with you my conversation with Ro. Mainly because what we talk about has so much of a stigma and there's so much to unpack in money and debt and I just love that Ro is sharing her journey or her and her husband's journey of getting out of debt in such an unapologetic way because no one talks about money and we should be. We really, really should be. And maybe if we did, people wouldn't find themselves in situations like many of us are. And so I am so grateful for Ro for shining a light on such a needed conversation, such a needed topic. And um, if our conversation resonates with you, let us know. I would love to hear from you. Reach out at This Is My Truth Podcast. You can also reach out to Ro at I am Ro Thomas on Instagram. And there is just so much that we can achieve by reframing our mindsets and managing our money to achieve financial independence because that is what so many of us want, right? To not have to freaking think about money. And if we are able to change our mindset and reach a place where we feel comfortable with where we are and where we're going, that that is true freedom. So Ro, thank you for this conversation. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Enjoy my conversation with Ro Thomas. Ro, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I have truly appreciated and loved every time we've connected. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation as well. Um, I'd like to start with the question, what is the truth that you would like to share today? So the truth I would like to share today is my husband and I found ourselves over $670,000 in debt with a negative $342,000 net worth. And we've been working over the past few years to climb out of that mess. Wow. Thank you for sharing first and foremost. And it, you know, when we first connected, I was thinking about this more afterwards, like no one talks about money. Yeah. 
And I don't know why it's such a taboo topic. It would seem that because it's such a huge part of all of our lives that we should be talking about it from very young ages, right? So that we know how to handle it, but we don't. And it's not until you get into a mess and you're like researching to try to figure out how to clean it up that you really start learning some of this, excuse me, some of this stuff. It's so true. Like I remember in high school, I electively took like a class on I think it was business or something. And I, they very briefly talked about like how to balance a checkbook. Yes. And, and like, obviously I retained none of it. <laughs> and so I just, I think that there's so much behind that. And also for women in particular, mm-hmm. uh, like the beliefs and the stories that we tell ourselves behind yes. money. Um, I completely agree with that. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to that point? So it all started when we had our first child about four years ago now, and I was about to head back to maternity leave, or excuse me, head back to work from maternity leave. And when I was thinking about my schedules, backing up a little bit, I am a lawyer, my husband is a doctor. And so when I was thinking about my schedule at work, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I go back into like the crazy billing hours and stuff that I was doing before? Because at the time, uh, the minimum billable hour requirement at my job was 1900. I did 2100, like easily, you know, and I didn't have anyone to worry about but myself and, you know, my husband. And so then I have this little baby who's been dependent on me for like, you know, three, four months. And now I'm going to hand him over to you know, the daycare workers and go back to billing all those hours. And so we were looking at how we want to raise our kids going forward. And that schedule was not it, right? Like we want to be more present. We want to be able to be there when they have events and all of that kind of stuff. But when we sat down to look at our finances, our finances were like, oh no, you're going to go back to that schedule because <laughs> as I said, when we you know looked at it all, we ended up $670,000 in debt. And it was really like a gut punch because you don't expect to see that number, but it consisted of our mortgage, which was about 200,000. It was a car loan, about 10,000. And then the rest of that was student loans. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, adding it all up, it was almost, it wasn't quite the first time Uh, We had added it up right when we were applying for the mortgage. You know, you have to list out all of your debts. And so we had seen a glimpse of it then, but at that point it was, you know, 400 something. Um, And we knew, of course, we had debt, but we compartmentalized it. So we knew that we had like, you know, 200 over here. And we had, oh, yeah, this 10,000 thing here. And, oh, yeah, I have about 100. And, oh, you've got, you know, a little over 350, you know, that kind of thing. But adding it all together and seeing a number so far over half a million dollars. It's like, whoa, you know? Yeah. I can, I can, I can imagine, right? Like just seeing that number. And then also when you're going into the mindset of like, how do we have the lifestyle that we want? Mm -hmm. Right. How do we make those adjustments? And then, um, I often talk about, since I'm in corporate America, right, like this notion of golden handcuffs. And I think yes. so many of us feel that if, if you're, um, and even not like just golden handcuffs, like just tied to this notion of having to stay in a certain situation mm-hmm. because of money. 
Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is we tend to spend any increases in our income. It's just the way that we've been taught, right? So you're in this house that was perfectly fine, but you got this raise and it's like, oh, well, we can you know, go put a down payment on this new house. Or you know, a lot of people, when they get a bonus, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go buy this thing that I've been wanting to buy. Like When we think about increases in our income, it's like an automatic trigger to increase our expenses as well. I've been guilty of that. Let's be honest. So have I. So have I. (laughs) And I'm curious because, you know, you're a lawyer, your husband's a doctor. You, I would imagine, you know, like on the outside, people are, those are professions that typically do well Mm -hmm. from a financial standpoint. Um, And so I'm curious if there was, you know, my husband and I talk about this to the, to the extent like we live in the city of Chicago, like this notion of like keeping up with the Joneses, right? And like mm-hmm. feeling like you have to keep up with your peers. Yes. I'm curious, like did, if that played a role at all. So that didn't play a role for us. Um, going to like what you're talking about with keeping up with your peers, a lot of our peers buy these like huge, like gorgeous McMansions and things like that. And when we were looking at buying our house, the bank wanted to lend us like four times more than what we did. Yeah. It's really scary. It's like, uh, well, yeah, like I can afford that if I don't eat and if I don't like pay for anything else. (laughs) And so we, you know, were very adamant about keeping our expenses contained because we were looking at you know, wanting to have flexibility. Now, granted, we didn't have nearly as much flexibility as we wanted to have, but we knew that we didn't want to constrain ourselves, for instance, with a huge mortgage payment or, you know, big car payments or that kind of thing. So we didn't play into the trying to keep up with our colleagues, but we definitely have seen that play out with our colleagues. I just feel like it's so easy to get caught up in that. So Mm -hmm. hats off to you and your husband to have the foresight to be like, you know, we we want this flexibility. Um, And I want to, I want to dive into a little bit like the, the stories and the beliefs that we all have around money. Cause I know Mm -hmm. you talk a lot about this. Um, You have your own podcast, which I think is amazing about. Thank you you know, your journey of, of getting out of, of debt, because again, like no one talks about this. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I'm sure you know the statistics more than me. I don't, I don't actually know any statistics, but I would bet that the majority of Americans have debt of some sort. Yeah. And I don't know the specific statistics on debt, but I do know Uh, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, and that includes 25% of households bringing in $150,000 or more. And so you would think that at that level, you know, you've got, everyone thinks, oh, I would do so much better if I just had more money. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, no, it's happening at all income levels, you know, until we figure out those basics and get a handle on our money, then we're going to continue to struggle. I heard someone say once, Uh, money doesn't solve a money problem, right? Like if you have a problem with managing your money, more money is not going to solve that problem. It's so true, right? It's like similar, like money doesn't always buy happiness. Yes. Um, It's, we often, um, 
we have to try to band-aid on things, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that like the easiest way to to think about that is like, well, I'll just I'll make more, I'll like hustle and I will grind. And like that's not always aligning to what your end goal is, right? And like in your case, it's how do I have the lifestyle for my family that I want? Exactly. And, you know, making more isn't going to get us there, you know? Like we have to make sure that we are uh, doing the things that we need to do with that more, right? So paying off the debt, investing, that kind of thing, because that will help us get to the lifestyle that we want. I say all the time that money gives us options, right? I love that. So if we are managing our money well, like if you pay down your debt, if you are not spending 100% of your paycheck, that kind of thing, that gives you a lot of flexibility, right? If you are spending 100% of your paycheck or even more, you need that job. And that's where we were when we first found ourselves $670,000 in debt. Like when we did a budget for the first time, we had like $150 left over (laughs) at the end of the month. And it was like, huh, like, so where is all this money going? Because we just had not been intentional about it at all. It was, you know, we've got this money coming in. And so, you know, we're able to pay all of our bills on time. We were saving a little bit. You know, we paid our credit card off in full. We were, so to be fair, we were maxing our 401k. So it wasn't just that, but like the money that we had left over at the end of all of that was $150. And when we look back at, the 401ks and like putting the money in there versus the astronomical interest that we were earning on 400 some odd thousand dollars of debt, we would have been better off not putting that money in the 401k and trying to pay off some of that debt. And that's what we ultimately did. We dropped those contributions to like two or 3% to get the match and started putting more money on the debt. And then my husband, as I mentioned, was he was a resident at the time. But he uh, started moonlighting, so he you know picked up extra shifts and stuff like that. So he was gone like two or three weekends out of the month because he was like working those extra shifts, and that helped us to kind of make some progress and get the ball rolling. And then we've been able to keep it going since then. There, so that point in particular, right? Like this notion of like you were maxing out your four hundred one k, so again, going back to like a little education when it comes to money and finances, I feel like when I first started in corporate America over 13 years ago, right? This notion of like, well, that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time I also had, you know, student loans and it never would have crossed my mind to, to look at right? To like not max out my 401k because that's what everyone around me was telling me to do. Right. Same. <laughs> exactly the same. Um, and so I just, I just feel like I'm so grateful and appreciative for people, you know, like yourself for being open and honest and having the conversation to, you know, your audience because, and my audience, but it, it's just, when I, there's probably not a one size fits all solution, right? Like everyone's going to have to figure out what works for them and how they're, how they're going to be intentional about their money and their budget, but it, it will never happen if you're not, if you're not willing to like admit that there's a problem or even see if there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And that starts by talking about it. 
That is 100% spot on. I think a lot of us get that like ostrich syndrome, like, oh, if I just stick my head in the sand, it'll go away. It's not really there, you know, but you know what you said about, you know, looking at your numbers and seeing if you're having a problem is key because even though it's scary, right? Like adding up all of those numbers and seeing 670, you know, I think it was like 3000 or something like that. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, but knowing that that's where we were, we had a starting point for a plan to get out. And so then that has led us on this journey over the last four years of, you know, improving our finances and creating much more flexibility for ourselves. And so I, I encourage everybody to look and know where you are, you know, so that you've got that starting point and then you can figure out where to go from there. So where are you on your journey now? No, we have paid off over $350,000. That's amazing. And thank you. Uh, We hit a positive net worth earlier this year. So I'm really excited about that one. It was like, we're just trying to get back to broke. Like if we can just get back to $0 net worth, that'd be great. (laughs) That is huge. That is so amazing. And I think the other thing is this bringing up for me is, you know, so much of from what I'm hearing, right, it was student loans. Mm -hmm. And I think this is unfortunately so common in Mm -hmm. our country right now, right? Like the cost of education is insane. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you know, so higher education, like the cost increases by more than inflation each year. I think it's something like 7%, 8% and inflation is 4%. So like, that's crazy. But then we also have to take some responsibility for ourselves as well, right? Like we have been taught from a very young age, oh, you just go to college. That's what you do. You get this degree and then you can get a good job. But people aren't talking about I guess the deeper piece of not just a degree, but a marketable degree. And we're not going to college at any cost, right? So like I know of people who went to school with me who came out $100,000 in debt with like a heart, an art history degree. And I know that they're not going to make that type of money in art history. And so not to say that they should have chosen a different path, but maybe chosen a different school you know, something that costs a little bit less. And so you can still get that same degree, but at a cheaper price, you know, but I think that this whole notion that we go to college, get whatever degree at whatever cost, like really needs to go because colleges are looking at that. It's like the demand is there. So we're just going to keep on like increasing this price and everyone pays it year after year. So I think we really need to rethink higher education in America, or at least the way that we as the consumer, are looking at how we would pay for it or if we want to pay for it, because I think that doing that would change things on their side. I couldn't agree more. And I think that there's, there's so much behind that. And I also think about, you know, part of it also has to change in, in the corporate world of, you know, so many organizations, like look at the, where you went to school, right? Mm -hmm. The name. Um, and I know I, I can speak for my company, you know, Google was known, um, for some time of only hiring from certain universities. And there's so many problems with that. Right. Um, and so many levels, but 
you know, over time, I'm grateful and thankful that we've changed our positioning. And hopefully if more companies are, are doing that, right. And mm-hmm. recognizing, you know, I'm a firm believer that college isn't for everybody. I agree. Um, I agree. And I think that there's something to be said, and this might come from the fact that, you know, my dad, you know, did well for himself, but he only has an associate's degree. And Mm -hmm. so, so, um, I think that if you're able to get the skills that you need in different ways, I'm hopeful that, you know, that, that notion changes and we Mm -hmm. can all then look inwards and say like, what do we really want? And how do I get that? I think that that is the type of thinking that we're missing, right? It's the default oh, everyone just go to college and get a degree and it doesn't matter what it costs. But if you want to go into business for yourself, for instance, you don't necessarily need a degree for that. If you want to do a trade, like there are plenty of electricians, plumbers making six figures and they didn't go to college for that, right? Like they went to a trade school, which costs a lot less. So like making those types of intentional decisions, I think is key. And that's something that's been missing in higher education on our side for many years. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's coming up for me is sort of like a, a pivot, um, but is around sort of what we were talking about earlier around like women and money. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll throw myself on the line here. Um, I can be honest and say that, you know, I definitely default to my husband, like, doing more of the finances mm-hmm. and have used the excuse of like, I didn't have access to our credit card statement or our, I don't, I don't know why for like the longest time I've changed yeah. that. But, um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as, as you've, you've obviously like, you know, you and your husband, it sounds like it's a partnership. Like you've looked at it together. You've, um, you know, built a plan together, which I think is amazing. And obviously, um, is, is needed, right? Like this can't, the burden can't fall to one person. Yes. But I'm curious, like, as you've had conversations with people and women in particular, like, are there any sort of beliefs that you feel you've seen sort of across the board with women and finances in particular? Yeah, there are a lot of women who feel like, oh, I'm not good with numbers. So I'm not going to touch that. Um, A lot of women are just afraid of money period. You know, it's just money is this thing. Um, One of the worst, I won't say worst, one of the ones that bothers me the most, I'll say that. Um, And this is, this is across the board, not just, you know, women, but this, you know, that saying money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. So one, I hate that because it's a misquote from the Bible. Um, The Bible says money or the love of money is the root of all evil, but we've twisted it to money is the root of all evil. And if we have that subconscious belief that money is the root of all evil, that money is inherently bad, then subconsciously we're trying to protect ourselves from money, right? So then you're not going to want to take those steps to look at your debt, to look at your budget, to fix your money situation because, oh, I don't want to have too much money. Money is the root of all evil. I don't want to be you know, evil or associated with evil. So those types of things. Um, and then also like you know, people with money have, you know, they're crooked, they're, you know, whatever those, those stereotypes that we have about rich people. it's like, well, if I believe that rich people are crooked or, you know, dishonest or whatever, then I'm not going to want to build wealth. 
because subconsciously I associate building wealth with negativity. So like those are some of the common ones that I've seen. Um, it's interesting, like the, the mindset piece I feel is key in getting our money together, right? Like if we don't fix the way that we relate to money, the way that we think about money, then it's going to be that much harder to try to fix our money situation. I think that is like so, so true. And it goes back to, in my opinion, like being able to look inwards, right? And and recognize like, where are you sort mm-hmm. of within, like, where are you on your own journey? Right. And I think that's sometimes like hard for people to do. I Well, I can only speak for myself. It was very hard for me to do. Yeah. Um. You know, and it took lots of little moments for me to finally get to the point where I was like, oh shit, there's, <laughs> there's something here that I need to deal with. Right. Um, and so I'm grateful. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly grateful because it's led me on this path to meet like amazing humans like yourself. Um, but I'm also grateful because it's opened my eyes to, to so many different things. And you know, that is, I think the hardest part of the journey. So kudos to you for doing that inner work and like, you know, seeing things that you wanted to improve on some things that you were believing that weren't serving you and that kind of thing. Cause that's, it's tough. It's really tough to do that. It is. It's not, it's not a, it's not easy to admit it to yourself. And then it's also not an easy journey, mm-hmm. um, but it's also an empowering journey. Yes. Yes. I agree. And, you know, I think a big part of that, like the, it being tough to admit is, you know, when you are educated, you're doing well, you're doing, you know, you feel like all of these things should just come easily to you, you know? And so then when they don't, then it's this like disheartening feeling. And a lot of us, like we talked about, you know, perfectionism and things like that before Mm -hmm. we started recording, like a lot of us are conditioned to try to be perfect. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, childhood experiences and things like that, the way that we related to our parents. But if everything that, or if you always want to be perfect, then you are going to be less likely to try this thing that you don't know how to do well, right? And that's what's happening with a lot of people with money. I don't know how to do money. The financial industry makes money sound, you know, funky and, you know, scary and all of that. So I'm just going to put my head in the sand. I'm not going to worry about it. And I think that is hindering us from living the lives that we want to live because as I mentioned before, you know, knowing where you're starting is key in making the plan to improve and get to where you want to be. So true. So true. Ro, I knew I would love this conversation. (laughs) Um, How can people continue to follow you on your journey and, and cheer you on from the sidelines? Thank you. Um, As you mentioned, I have a podcast called Wealthy-esque. It is where I talk about mindset and money. I talk specifically to lawyers because I am a lawyer, but I found that my message is resonating with women outside of the legal profession. So you can find me there. Um, That's at rowthomas.com slash podcast or your favorite podcast platform. And then I'm on social media uh, on Instagram. I am Ro Thomas. Also Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, that same handle. Um, So you can also connect with me there. I'm most active on Instagram, but you can find me on all four platforms. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm very impressed. I am like Instagram only. Um, <laughs> it's all I can mentally handle. Um, well, Ro, thank you so much for this conversation. I, I've, I've learned a lot from, you know, our conversations and I just um, appreciate that you're willing to have conversations about something that is taboo for so many people. Well, thank you again for having me. So much fun. And I look forward to continuing to, con uh, to chat and connect. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If something in the conversation resonated with you, please, please share it with a friend that you think needs to hear this conversation. Feel free to tag me on social media. Let me know how you're listening, where you're listening, and what resonated. Tag me at This Is My Truth Podcast or feel free to shoot me a DM. And because we're a new podcast and this shit matters, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review. Tell me how you truly feel. This entire podcast is about vulnerability and authenticity. So let me know how you really feel and give me some feedback. I really appreciate it. <laughs>